America is now the epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic. America has passed the grim milestone of 20,500 deaths to overtake Italy as the world's worst-hit nation. Many blame the president for the scale of the crisis. These are the lonely times for a president. All the decisions come to you, uh, and he's made just about all of them wrong. But the causes of America's failings in dealing with the virus run far deeper. Independent of Donald Trump, America is a country that always would have found fighting a pandemic to be difficult, um, regardless of who the president was. When the novel coronavirus hit America, President Donald Trump's administration was slow to act. Early on, the president was you know, reassuring Americans that things would not get so bad. We have it very much under control in this country. We had 12 at one point, and now they've gotten very much better. He seemed to be worried about the stock market um, and its uh, vacillations. And I think that there was a series of critical weeks in which the threat was, was underplayed. The administration's initial complacency was set to store up problems for the weeks ahead. There was a sense that we didn't need to develop the amount of ventilators that we had, the number of personal protective equipment that could go out to doctors. And what we find now is that we're in the midst of kind of a national shortage of those things. On March 9th, the Trump administration promised millions of test kits, crucial to monitor the spread of the virus. Yet, by the end of the month, only around 200,000 tests had been completed. This is a serious thing, and right now, the federal government is failing. But this failure wasn't entirely down to President Trump's inaction. Thousands of Americans may have been exposed to the coronavirus, but have not been tested. The first tests created by the Centers for Disease Control, a federal agency, didn't work. Private and academic labs around the country tried to develop their own tests, but were initially hampered by strict regulations and a laborious approval process. That's a technical failing and a bureaucratic failing that perhaps could be laid on the president. But one of the things about America is that public health authorities incredibly devolved to states and cities in terms of how they respond so that the federal government actually can't order these things. America's federal system grants states the authority to decide when and how to respond in a public health crisis like this pandemic. And every state has responded differently. The state's 19 million residents are being told to stay at home as much as possible. Faced with an escalating crisis, the governor of New York announced a statewide lockdown on March 20th. We're going to put out an executive order today, New York State on pause. We need everyone to be safe, otherwise no one can be safe. On the same day in Florida, spring breakers were reveling on beaches. If I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. Here, there would be no lockdown for almost another two weeks, during which time the virus continued to spread across the country. Some states called for non-essential businesses to be closed and for people to stay at home much earlier than others. The fact that borders remain open between the states complicates efforts at, at containment. While some states might have 
kind of shut down at this time. You know, California, Washington, Oregon. If a resident from there goes to Florida and then comes back, you can see how it could exponentiate from there. That's the weakness of a system that relies on decision makers in 50 states and numerous jurisdictions. A virus doesn't respect state lines. And efforts to halt the spread of the virus have been impeded by another aspect of America's political system. Democrats, what do they do? They want to use a deadly virus as a political weapon against the president. Partisan politics are crippling America's response to the coronavirus pandemic. Politics has infected America's handling of the outbreak. Republican and right-leaning politicians have been slower to impose restrictions than Democrats. I am pleading with you to stay home, stay home, unless it is necessary for you to go out. Part of the reason is that um, it starts in cities, so it's, it's taken off in places like New York and Seattle and California. And these are places that tend to have Democratic mayors, tend to have Democratic governors. And when political scientists kind of try and account for the rate of infection, how rural your state is, and all the rest, they, they still see that Republican governors are slower to implement um, social distancing measures. There's even evidence that Americans' adherence to the rules, crucial to halting the spread of the virus, is also being influenced by party loyalty. So you see, at least from what we can measure from cell phone data, Republicans seeming to take social distancing less seriously uh, than Democrats. This blanket spread of shutting down businesses, it's an economic disaster for Michigan and people are sick and tired of it. GPS data show that Democratic voters in the 2016 presidential election have cut travel more than Republican voters. In Hawaii, where the majority voted Democrat in 2016, people more than halved their travel in March. In Wyoming, where the majority voted Republican, travel actually increased slightly. It's supremely unhelpful for response to a virus to be politically polarized because the virus obviously infects uh, whomever it can. On April 11th, America overtook Italy to become the worst-hit country in the world. The damage the virus is causing in America is compounded by the nature of its healthcare system. American hospitals are a business, uh, much more so than, than in other parts of the world. There's no financial incentive for hospitals to have extra beds in the ICU or extra ventilators or um, extra um, pulmonologists who can specialize in intubation. Only 305 of America's 6,000 or so hospitals offer the most intensive treatment available. That's if patients even make it to hospital. Roughly 12% of Americans don't have health insurance. Around 23% of those who do have insurance are underinsured, which means they could be hit with high charges. More than half of working-age people have health insurance through their employers. But now, with over 20 million Americans claiming unemployment, many may lose that access. If you have more people afraid of getting treatment, then you know, the mortality rate might be higher than it ought to be. All of those things mean that a, a pandemic would have strained the American healthcare system quite a lot, no matter who was president. The Trump administration has promised some help to those who don't have access to healthcare. 
Today, I can so proudly announce that hospitals and healthcare providers treating uninsured coronavirus patients will be reimbursed by the federal government using funds from the economic relief package Congress passed last month. Yet, there are still a lot of unanswered questions about exactly what and who is covered by the federal fund. For much of America, the peak of the coronavirus pandemic is not yet in sight. On April 16th, President Trump presented a set of guidelines on how and when social distancing measures could be lifted. He made it clear that the next move is up to each individual state. Every state is very different. They need to remain closed. We will allow them to do that. And if they believe it is time to reopen, we will provide them the freedom and guidance to accomplish that task. Yet the president immediately undermined his own guidelines by showing support for a growing protest movement demanding an end to lockdowns. These are people expressing their views. I, I see where they are and I see the way they're working. They seem to be very responsible people to me. Donald Trump has presided over and done much to encourage America's disjointed response to the pandemic. The combination of an erratic president, federalized government, and a complex and fragmented healthcare system means America's already high death toll will continue to mount. I'm Idris Kloon. I'm the US policy correspondent for The Economist. I've been writing about how coronavirus has been affecting American small stripes. Um, if you want to read more of our coverage, you can see the link beside me.